Hello and welcome to Drafting the Dregs. This is your podcast for all things draft EPL. Now, uh, we're without Dave again. Now, Gilby, Mick, being the regulars on the show, how disappointed are we in in Dave's efforts at the moment? Should should we consider dropping him to the bench permanently or what, what should we do here? Well, I mean... He, I've heard rumours that he may have been involved in some kind of illegal shark and crocodile catching expedition somewhere, um, mm. possibly involved in some kind of um, selling to nefarious people of crocodile skin um, handbags or maybe some shark skin clothing or something like that. So, I mean, if we get him back in time, sure. I mean, depends what he's prepared to swing our way. I mean... Considering he's just shaved off his moustache, he's obviously on the run from somebody, so that would probably make sense. Um, so, Mick, are you, are you thinking that we, we keep Jeff permanently? Uh, he's with us again tonight. Was his performance up to scratch last time? Well, when Jeff's been here and Dave's not, I've performed better, so Jeff can stay. Wow. Okay, and we will obviously get to that a little bit later on, but Jeff, uh, two weeks in a row, um, ha- how's it feel to, you know, take Dave's seat, basically, on the on the manager's bench. Look, it's a pleasure to be here, and, and uh, you know, Dave's the one missing out, and uh, hopefully the listeners are uh, enjoying the change, and hopefully Dave is back soon. Yeah, I'm sure Jeff loves being part of the 48th best draft podcast in Australia. We've gone up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, we, we were definitely 54th last time I checked, so, hey. Happy days. Very good. Obviously, Dave's mum's referred us on to a few few of her friends, so that's good. Now, boys, it was game week 13 uh, that we're looking at this particular podcast. So in game week 13, what, what were the things that stood out? Uh, was there was there anything major that we we need to discuss, Gilby? What, what was your what was your standout? Well, I mean, other than Aubameyang doing Aubameyang things and somehow missing the goal from two yards out. Um, I picked my moment as something that maybe hope for us all, given we're around about similar age. Um, Ashley Young being picked as a second striker for Villa at 36 years of age and actually playing a good match and contributing an assist. So, I mean, hope for us all still out there. Mick, as the baby of the group, are you feeling like, uh, you, you know, this is something you could aspire to still? Oh, absolutely. I was just thinking, all similar age. You guys could play in an over thirties comp, and I wouldn't be allowed in. So, um, but we yeah, wouldn't it, want you to be fair. It, it, it makes me feel better because I could just say, "Oh, I'm the same age as Danny Ings, right?" And then you'd all assume I'm over thirty anyway. So, um, but yeah, uh, I think. Definitely hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Does it make you feel better saying that? Not really, but okay. it might make our listeners understand that my, I'm an old twenty nine. Maybe that maybe that's what we'll go with. <laughs> Mature. Um, we got a moment of the week, was it? Yeah, have you got something for us? Oh, I mean, I saw a little bit. I think the big one for me was, and I think you're going to go into this a bit more, but the random postponement, I think, about 60 minutes out. Now, I did see there was a tweet that went out, and Harry Kane um, uh, responded to it, about this guy that had flown from Texas to London, had got on a train, gone all the way to Burnley, only to find out that the game had been cancelled. And so Harry Kane responded saying, look, if you're ever in London again, I'd love you can be my guest at the game or whatever. But then some internet sleuths have gone through and found this guy's account. And within the last six months, I'm pretty sure it goes on about 
let's drop Harry Kane. His heart's not in it. This is Sun's team now. <laughs> and I, I just thought that was golden. That this guy had been slamming Kane, and now Kane's like, oh, come on, mate, be my guest. So I thought that was quite good as well. I feel like Kane should, you know, actually fly him over, put him up in a nice hotel, you know, get his ticket sent to him, and then he gets to the actual, you know, ticket box and and can't get let in. They're not real tickets, they're fakes or something like that. I think that would be a good good gesture on Kane's part. That'd be gold. That'd be great. Just just get the cashier to be like, sorry, Harry Kane doesn't have that. This is Sun's team now. <laughs> oh. oh, still though, that's a that's a pretty long way to go for a game that uh unfortunately wasn't going to be uh, ever taking place. So that's, that's a real shame for him. But um, Jeff, what, what, what were you looking at this week? What was the things that uh, took your eye? Well, look, I have two moments of the week. The first one is EPL related, and it was uh, Roy Keane and Jamie Carragher going at each other. It was always good seeing two ex-players go at each other. And listening to it in full, they're both correct. So it was really good to see passionate players sticking up for their clubs. Uh, and the second one was actually an Australian one. Uh, getting 36,000 people to the Matildas game was fantastic for football in this country, and hopefully it continues. Absolutely. And just on the the, the two commentators, uh, I think it was, it was really funny that they both sort of half agreed with each other, but not enough to stop arguing. I thought that that was really, <laughs> that was really quite, quite funny. <laughs> Very, some good opinions though, obviously. So, uh, yeah. Um, and Mick touched on it before. My my sort of moment of the week is, you know, on a, on a Sunday morning, I like to get up and, and throw the TV on and, and see what replay is sort of currently on. And I did that this Sunday morning and up pops the game and there it was, just this vision of white on the screen. I couldn't quite believe it. And I'd seen that the Tottenham Burnley game had been postponed, but I had no idea why I hadn't actually, you know, looked into it anymore. And so as soon as I saw that, I said, okay, I think I understand why that game was postponed now. Um, But at the same time, just with how the camera was positioned, it was very difficult to pick up the ball. And it was even the ball, you know, that, that Dave spoke about a few podcasts ago, the, the, the quite, you know, fluoro one, uh, it was still really difficult from the, the cam- camera to actually pick it up. Obviously, the players found it okay. They're a lot closer to the ball and can probably see it a lot clearer. But I just thought that was very, very interesting. Like, the lines were basically gone. It was just white everywhere. Um, I'm not sure, boys, that that's something we will ever experience here in Australia. Um, I don't know if it ever has happened. but Probably the closest is some of the... I don't know whether uh, I suppose it's equally fun either playing in the mud and then getting slide tackle from behind by someone that really doesn't like you um, from the back of Ipswich, um, mm. or maybe sounds familiar. Few, yeah, yeah, a few pouring rain games we've had over the years. Um, so, yeah, I mean, always interesting conditions no matter where you play. I saw mm-hmm. a interesting one um, with the World Cup qualifiers going at the moment. Obviously, each country. Um, host their matches, that sort of stuff. And obviously some of them pick games uh, or pick venues that are particularly hostile. So like, for example, like Mexico's games are in the Azteca, which is, I believe, about 4,000 feet above sea level. So to get them back, uh, Canada was just hosting Mexico last week. And rather than pick something, you know, south to be a bit warmer for them, uh, they stuck the game in Edmonton. And at kickoff, it was minus 6 degrees with a wind chill factor of minus 10. So you can imagine that would have been fun for the Mexicans. 
having been to Canada and played some sport there now, it's not football or soccer, but it's Canadian football. I can guarantee you I prefer to play in 40-degree heat in Australia every day of the week before I play in close to zero. There is no way. Sleet coming down, snow, different game when you're not using your hands. In that game, you do. Uh, but nah, no thank you. I would, yeah, the heat all day long. Mick, I think I'll exclude you from this particular statement, but, um, you know, at our age now, gentlemen, I think the warmer conditions uh, would probably be a bit more beneficial to the old joints to uh, get up and mobile. Uh, Mick, I'm assuming you're still, you know, young, limber, uh, you know, can get up and down the pitch quite easily. But for us older gents, uh, I think I would agree with Mick there. That warmer conditions just helps the body move. You can imagine the poor old goalkeepers as well, like particularly if you're team's going well, you're standing there, um, uh, I don't know how you'd be managing to keep warm, there'd be a few layers, I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely, I- yeah. We uh, we played in long sleeve shirts, gloves, shirts over the top, warms, it was just ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you get a home ground advantage, why wouldn't you? You'd make the most of it, right? Every other sport gets it, if you, and especially with the way the uh, the world is at the moment, when the crowd can't make the difference. If you've got some kind of environmental difference, do it. And wasn't it in that particular uh, game, uh, Canada scored quite late on for the winner, and uh, I saw them, you know, streaming off the pitch and you know to celebrate with the crowd and whatnot. I just expected one to you know jump in the big piles of snow that was on the side and do a bit of a snow angel or something like that. That would have been really a nice touch, I think, to the game. Well, a nice touch. I'm could be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure the Rangers game in Scotland actually got postponed because the Rangers fans threw snowballs onto the field, and it was such hard, compact snow. It was basically ice. They had to stop the game because they couldn't restart with these chunks of ice on the field. <laughs> so, I mean, you want a snowman? Snowballs are a loving gift as well, right? <laughs> Maybe not in this context, by the sounds of it. <laughs> Look, I think what we need to do, gents, is... Uh, now, Mick, we didn't talk about this beforehand. Uh, do you recall what your multi was? Did it was, it... was it good enough to stick in your mind and for you to uh, potentially come out with a winner? Did the, <coughs> did the legs hold up? Can you even remember? Because, to be honest, if it, if it wasn't that memorable, then obviously you probably didn't uh, pay out. Oh, he's furiously looking. Here we go. I remember I didn't key, thinking I didn't about him up one. Beforehand. I remember thinking about one, but that game didn't happen, and I don't think that's the one I went with. No, it was the first game. It was something to do with Arsenal-Newcastle. I think I had both teams to score, Joe Wellington to score, Wilson to score, and Aubameyang to score? Mm. Is that it? Was that the whole thing? Was there something that else sound, in there? That sounds familiar. Yeah, I, well, I mean, any Newcastle of didn't exactly score, happen? so no. <laughs> um, uh no, did I have... I think I even had Newcastle get a result, didn't I? Did I? I don't know. It failed. I'm going to go on a limb and say it failed. So, <laughs> Joe Wellington did play. And he, how good was he for them? Did he get any, like, shots or anything? Uh, expected goals, 0.00. Expected assists, 0.00. <laughs> he went really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, you obviously needed something to, to, to bring it up to the, you know... $38 mark, so that was... There's always next week. 
There's always next week. <laughs> well, I, let's try and remember next week. So I must say, I didn't remember what it was either. So I just figured it probably failed. Um, and But we'll get into that. We'll, we'll, you've got a bit of time now to come up with, with the one we're looking at for this week. But uh, it's obviously time to get to Gilby with the waiver wire. Uh, that's what everyone's keen to hear about, what the trades were, um, whether, uh, you know, I was able to make the successful trades again and, and really uh, grind Gilby's gears. Uh, let's let's find out now. So Gilby, can, let's take it away. What were the trades like this week? All right. So Ben was first cap off the rank as usual. He was dropping Pereira for Kiate. Uh, given Pereira's picked up another pretty bad injury, unfortunately for him. I'm going to say that's a positive there. Um, next move he made was dropping Maguire for Henry. Now, given Maguire is suspended because of his red card, um, you'd probably say a slight upgrade there. But I know Manchester United's schedule is about to look very good, though. So that could be a short-term move there for him. Also dropped Pogba for Henderson. I don't know why Pogba had hung in so long for him, given he'd been injured for a few weeks now and he's injured for January. So going to Henderson, I'm sure Jeff will agree that's probably an upgrade there. Um, and his final one was dropping Armstrong for Dennis. So a Watford player for Dave, even though he's missing there. But I actually had a quick look. And um, Dennis's statistics, um, he has now, um, at the end of this round, where uh, Watford actually lost 4-2, Dennis has 11 attacking returns in 12 appearances, and only Salah has more with 20. So Dennis has been excellent. All right, and, um, even though he's been playing a little bit on the left wing as well. So, I mean, I'm going to say a really good pickup there, particularly if that form continues. Um, Mick was next. You dropped Chilwell for cash, Mick. So, what are we thinking there? The Chilwell injury is going to be for longer than a couple of weeks? Or you don't care, you just need to get rid of him? Or what are you thinking? I mean, the gauntlet was thrown down by Isaac last week. What are you going to do? Um and I'll admit, and I know you've made reference of this before, but I offered players that I am going to trade out, if I'm thinking about it, I'll offer them other people thinking, okay, well, particularly the way the waiver wire goes, if it's someone who's lower down, if I think they might have some use to them, I'll offer them. So knowing Jeff picked up Alonzo last week, I sent him a message and saying, if you've got any interest in handcuffing him, I've got Chilwell. Uh, do you have any interest? He turned around pretty straight away said no. And I said, sweet, no worries. Didn't even offer it to anyone else. Um, I thought purely that out of all the value, Jeff would be the one that might have value. Um, but yeah, he said, having seen other managers holding on to injured players, he just didn't want to take that risk as well. So with the ACL though, I mean, I'm probably in a slightly better situation with my line of work and knowing where he's at. They've said six weeks. It is quite possible he does come back. In my eyes, the reason they haven't gone to surgery is he's hoping to play the World Cup next year. If I, I still don't think he's going to return. Um, I haven't seen... I, they haven't really announced. All they've said is a partial tear, I believe. Um, but if there's... In, in theory, even if he'd completely ruptured it, he could still conservatively rehab it. But <laughs> time frame, likelihood, this and that, there's, there's a lot that goes on. But... My thinking is they're just trying to hold out as long as they can, strengthen the crap out of it to try and get him to the World Cup um, rather than immediately go under the knife and throw that away. So my thinking is I'm coming last anyway. When we do get that news that he might be coming back, chances are I'll have first dibs and hopefully I get in earlier. Um, but the chances of him coming back, the player he was, are very slim. So um, Cash, I thought it had been quite good. Villa have looked way better and they've got quite attacking 
um, fullbacks from what I've seen. So I thought he was probably the best option that was there at the time. Now, I feel like Gil, um, Mick, it would have been quite hypocritical of you if you didn't drop him, <laughs> given given the yeah. conversation and how robust it was with Gilby last yeah. week. And I'm sure Gilby would have uh, maybe brought that back to you uh, if you didn't. It, it obviously would have depended on time frame. So as soon as I heard it was specific, if it was just knee ligament damage, I may have held out. As soon as I heard it was some level of tear in the ACL, um, there's there, I just wasn't going to hold him. Um, particularly with having Shaw and Tierney sitting on the bench, both kind of missing with injury and rotation at the moment. I just don't have the ability to do that. If I know Chul's out, I need to get rid of him. So, And just for some context, everybody... Um... Mick is a world-class orthopedic surgeon. Um, so <laughs> if, if you do have any uh, medical questions, uh, surgery-related, uh, please hit us up uh, on Twitter and Mick will kindly get back to you with, you know, just a- any little tidbits that he can. Is that all right, Mick? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Should so, I say that that was a joke or do you think people... Probably should have just for no, legal I, purposes. I just, I just <laughs> want to see if anyone tweets Can we get now? sued? <laughs> They only get sued if I actually give advice, right? Well, as long as you don't include a vaccination certificate, I think you're all good. To be fair, my orthopedic surgical advice might be better than my fantasy advice, so... (laughs) I guess that'll be for others to find out, won't it? (laughs) All right, so your next two moves, Mick, uh, dropped Redmond for Saka. You'd already kind of hinted at that last podcast. Um, So I think that's probably an upgrade there, given that Saka has been playing pretty regularly for Arsenal, hasn't really had the rub of the green for getting some chances, but I'd say an upgrade. And then the other one was dropping Jorginho, uh, as of last night, the third best player in the world for Ward Prowse. So what are we thinking with both of those moves? Um, Ward Prowse is obviously better, right? <laughs> well, Saka is... I thought he'd actually been quite good in an Arsenal team. And Arsenal are on the up. He seems to be above Pepe in the pecking order, above Martinelli in the pecking order. Um, he seems to be, he's started almost every game except like two or three. Yes, he doesn't play the whole 90 every time, um, but Arteta seems to be pretty happy with him. I, I thought he was the best player available in free agency, so I went straight for him. Um, Redmond had COVID, <coughs> went for his birth. Southampton have been very up and down, so it was a bit of a, a hard one as to who to drop. Um, I just thought, Redmond was the easy, and I think uh, Southampton have some poor, really poor fixtures. They had Liverpool that week, so mm. um, so that was an easy drop for that. So that was where that one was at. Um, the other one, Jorginho, it's one of those we don't play in a league where you get points for being defensive. We don't get. It's not like ice hockey where an assist goes for the second to last pass as well. So Jorginho's the the only attacking returns he really gets are penalties. Now, with the benefit of hindsight, look, it looks different. But at the time, he had missed three of his last four penalties or something like that. His stats weren't that great. With Lukaku coming back, it wouldn't surprise me if he takes some of the penalties as well. Um, I just didn't think. And the way Chelsea play, it's all the wide men. It's the the big crosses across the park for a tap-in at the back post or a volley or whatever it might be. It just doesn't seem to be a central base player that scores. So I thought that was probably a bit of an upgrade. And I'm at the point where I don't want twos and threes. I need eights, tens, twelves, twenties. 
that that's how I'm going to catch back. So it's one of those where I will cop a one with a yellow card and miss out on a three if I have a chance of coming away with a 12. So Yeah, I mean, given Ward Prowse has always been on the dead balls for Southampton, hasn't been uh, as good so far this season, the dead ball situation for Southampton. But, yeah, I mean, as you say, you're always liable for an assist there. Um, Dan was next, dropping Keane for Anderson. Uh, Crystal Palace man for you, Isaac. So 50-50 there. Everton haven't been good. Uh, I wasn't sure on that one. Uh, Next one was an interesting one, dropping Rodrigo, the Man City defensive mid for Greenwood um, up front for Manchester United. So uh, I suppose there you're really swapping two or three points a week for either zero or one or eight or nine. So as Mick was saying, sort of look at your team balance there and where Dan is, I'd be tempted. I, I, I'm going to say it's probably a good move, really, because if Greenwood does come good, does end up starting up front, then that could be good. Um, Jeff, you were next. Oh, sorry, Isaac, you wanted to say something there with that move? Oh, I was just going to say, as a, as a previous Greenwood owner, um, he had a really good start to the season. He scored four, maybe five goals. So, yeah, he's got that potential. It'll just really depend on the new coach who's coming in and how the system works. So he's probably doing it off the back of maybe a bit of a speculation there. But like you say, could potentially score and bag a few goals there. Yeah, I think at the moment it looks like, looking at the history, Rangnick generally goes 4-4-2 or 4-3-3. So if that's the case in either of those systems, I think if he goes 4-4-2, Greenwood could be a chance um, to maybe be the backup striker, one of the backup strikers. If he goes 4-3-3, then he's competing with Sancho and Rashford as to who I think are probably the first two picks for right and left wing. So it'd be interesting to see what system Rangnick goes with. Um, Jeff, you were next. You dropped Walker-Peters for Chalabar. Now, I believe this may be about the fourth or fifth time you brought in Chalabar. So what are we thinking here? Another short-term move? Or you reckon he's done enough to hold a position in your team for a few weeks? Look, it is a short term. I saw their fixture on the weekend and thought it was an easy three points. Um, so I thought it was a good short term move, but he he either gets ones or he gets twelves. And like Mick was saying, uh, it's time to risk a few things. So I thought it was a good move. And the other player, who I've forgotten already, uh, didn't do anything for me, so he had to go. Yeah, no, Walker-Peters, uh, he's been pretty good. The underlying numbers have been there, but hasn't really done too much so far. And as we've said, Southampton's been a bit mixed so far this season. And the next think, move, um, Jeff, was a bit controversial. Oh, it sorry. Was, sorry, Isaac? I apologise. I was just going to say that I think most of their attacking goes play goes down the other side with Livermento at the moment. So Yeah, well, I actually had a look at that the previous week, and Walker-Peters' numbers, his statistics, were actually better than Livermento oh. in terms oh. of numbers but uh, Livermento was the more effective in terms of end product. So, yeah, either way, I mean, like, you know how much I love stats, and I had a look at Walker-Peters myself. So it's an interesting one there. I mean, Chalabar in a Chelsea team that's looked very, very good. As Jeff said, if he pops up with another set-piece goal, then that could be a round win right there. His next move, though, is a controversial one, dropping Mares for Hudson-Odoi. So he's already intimated that he thought Chelsea would probably comfortably account for Manchester United, so probably going that way. But Mara is an interesting one, probably because you already have Bernardo Silva and Sterling, I think, Jeff. Yeah, so with Sterling and Mara, they're both on the fringes of the Man City side, so I couldn't have both of them. So 
I sat there and went, who am I going to get more out of? And I believed that I'll get more out of Sterling. So I went with Sterling over Mares, dropped Mares. Hudson Odoi had just scored against Juventus in the Champions League as well. He's been starting for Chelsea in an attacking formation. So as a midfielder, I'm expecting attacking returns from him. He is still young. However, I believe he's got that that two-point game in him. However, he's also got that 12-point game. And if I'm going to make up the 60 points to Isaac and yourself, I've got to take risks. No, I take you'll be out of that for a second. You know, come on. Yeah, well, it hasn't been good. It hasn't been a good month for me. So, <laughs> I mean, probably. Um, so Nate was next. Uh, dropped Pinnock for Gabriel from Arsenal. So, bit of a like for like swap there. Uh, pretty solid at the back either way there. Um, I was next. My first move was dropping Saar for Canos, the Brentford wing back, because uh, Saar has unfortunately picked up a bad knee injury. Um, so I was like, uh, it's a painful one. I think we've already talked enough about carrying injured players, and I had way too many as it was. So I had to unfortunately let go of Saar there. Um, I then dropped Buendia for Sancho. Um, moved for Sancho a week earlier than I kind of wanted to. But uh, I was reading all the articles and everything, and obviously he'd scored in the Champions League. And I thought, well, he kind of suits Rangnick's system. And if I'm right, then this could potentially be a really good move. And Bawendia wasn't good for Villa. And I thought these he hasn't really nailed down that spot. So I'm like, yeah, well, I didn't really see a downside there. The only potential downside being I now got three Manchester United midfielders. So if we don't go well, then that's going to be a big danger <laughs> for me. And then my final move was dropping Tyrek Mitchell, uh, your left back, Isaac, uh, for Richie from Newcastle. I was thinking, hopefully, that he'd get on a few set pieces for Newcastle, uh, but all he could do was get himself uh, red carded. You've so, seen him play, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I thought, well, I, I mean... Uh, that's the only one of the, 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 the trades that you made that I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure about that, Gilby? Yeah, like, no, Newcastle I, have been rubbish as well. Yeah, I do do like um, Tyrek Mitchell. That was a, I was like, oh, I'm not sure, but I thought, well, Eddie Howe, I thought might do a pretty good job. They may start to turn things around, but yeah, I mean, that that one was probably a wrong move, so he probably won't last long in my team at the moment. And then Isaac, you were last, and your moves this week, you dropped Adams and brought in Pruki. Mm-hmm. So another short-term move, or are you thinking that Pruki's going to hold his spot for a few weeks? Uh, I think Pruki will hold a spot for a couple of weeks, but I think it's it's probably more short term than anything else. Uh, just given fixtures. Um, and he's yep. scored a couple of goals in the last few game weeks. So figured, hey, the, the Pookie party might continue on. Well, the only danger with this time though was it was a nil-all draw for him this week. And I saw his main contribution was a toe poke straight at the keeper when he was through one-on-one. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that was I mean, maybe one of the only times that your transfer hasn't immediately netted you 20 points. You know, so I was happy about that one. The, the party's warming up, let's say. Yeah. And your other transfer, dropping Dunk, who has been pretty good fantasy points for a number of managers over the years, for Samikas from Liverpool. So I gather you're just trying to handcuff uh, Robbo there with some of these injury troubles? Yeah, I, and I figure with the schedule coming up, how... Uh, tight it will be. I thought, well, if he's going to get dropped, it could be through these partic- not dropped. If he's going to be rotated for you know injury concerns, it could happen. So I figured, well, if that's the case, who would I want 
to be coming in for me. And if I've got the choice of, say, Dunk or a Liverpool player, a Liverpool back coming in, I'd probably take the Liverpool back. And he's looked pretty good when he's played. So I figured, hey, it's probably the right time. Um, and we'll just see how long I do that for, depending on who else is available uh, in the free transfer. So, yeah. Yeah, what do you think there, Jeff? Is Smeekus likely to get rotation spots, or do you think Robbo is just going to be undroppable again? Look, I think that Robbo is a first eleven player. However, when you look at Smeekus' stats, he's played five games, and the aggregate score is 19 nil. So he's had continual clean sheets, assists into attacking returns, so I think that's a good return there. Yeah, I mean, I was really happy. Um, I did have a note to myself to pick him up with my last pick of the draft um, when we first drafted at the start of the season. Forgot about it, but then immediately changed my last pick uh, before the first round. And that was one of my better picks. And that was one of the reasons I went away to an early lead there. So, I mean, if you're right there and there is some rotation there, maybe a good move. I do really like Dunk, though, on Brighton with his set-piece um, danger. So... That'll be an uh, interesting one to see yeah. how that goes. He hasn't really netted me too many big points lately, though. Um, yeah. They were looking a bit more promising at the big, more um, sort of to at the beginning of the season. So I was happy enough. Like he, he's held in my team for what twelve weeks because I picked him up at the very beginning. And yes, he has scored some good fantasy points. Someone else might pick him up. Fair enough. But if he's still around later on, well, he he's going to be a good. Op- yeah, no, it might be a good opportunity to bring him back in. We'll just wait and see. Yep, but yeah, that was the end of the transactions for this week. So some interesting ones that we'll probably look back on. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, I I did like most of the moves this week. It was a big week for a lot of managers making some moves. So I thought there were some good moves there. And I guess it's now time to to look at where those moves <laughs> paid off. So uh, if we if we have a look at um, the particular game week, game week uh, thirteen. Uh, still up the top in first place is uh, myself on um, with a with a round score of forty three points, which is you know pretty tidy. I think uh, we've already mentioned that Mick on sixty points did really really well, so forty forty two forty three isn't too bad. But looking at my team, um, it was really only two players that got me those points. Um, in my midfield, I had shutouts. Uh, but no other sort of fantasy, real big fantasy points for my midfield, which was Trossard, Rafinha, and Mane. So three points each for those guys. Two across the rest of the board. So Puki didn't pick me up any points this particular game week, but hey, we'll see what happens as we move forward. It was really Robertson with 12, um, which you know was a very a timely reminder just how good fantasy-wise he can be because um, he has been away for a little bit. And then I, I sort of got lucky because uh, Gahey from uh, Palace came off my bench because Mora didn't end up playing uh, due to the, the postponement, came on for nine points because he scored a goal so and got some bonus points. Without without him coming on, it would have been maybe a, a quite a different game week and I probably wouldn't be as happy. So And you did really need some luck after your last few weeks, didn't you, Isaac? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you got to ride the luck wave as it as it comes. So, um, that was good. It meant that you know, I think you know, my lead was cut a little bit this week, which we'll talk about. But uh, it could have been cut a whole lot more. So I was pretty happy that that I got a little bit of the rub of the green there. Um, but I still look at my team and I'm still relatively happy. Um, I think, uh, you know, moving forward, I don't see any major flaws or anything major that I have to do potentially. Um, you know, it's just navigating what will be quite a hectic few game weeks um, and 
and sort of, you know, managing that and, and, you know, trying to get a sense of if there's a few other little trades to do here and there, but I'm pretty content <coughs> at the moment, to be honest. Um, so yeah, things are looking pretty good so far. And that leads us to in second Gilby. Um, look, a good game week with 52 points, um, you know, clawed back 10 points there, which is great. Um, how do you summarize? How do you sum up your your particular game week? Yeah, no, I mean Jota finally um, actually getting on the board after looking really good statistic wise, but not getting many points the last few weeks. But netted a double, which was great. Fourteen points for me. Um, Aubameyang with one point, even though that was a really frustrating one. Uh, Antonio is still blanking up front, so I put a lot of effort and a lot of, a lot of my draft picks into my strikers, and hasn't worked for me this last month. So, but Sancho nine points came off the bench for me for Eric Dyer with the um, postponement of that match. So, I mean, I'm hoping he maintains um, his spot at <clears> least <throat> and maybe gets me some points there because Fernandez and Rashford weren't good. But yeah, at the back, Cucurella for nine and Sanchez for eight with Brighton um, were really good for me as well. So a bit of a mixed week for me, frustrating for a few players, but then um, a few players um, had some really good weeks finally and got me some points, which was good. Um, Antonio is an interesting one. Um, he's blanked the last four game weeks. Is Obviously, you know you, you mentioned that, yeah, you've put a lot of your, your energy into your forwards. Is... I can't. I can't imagine you're looking to trade him, uh, like you know, drop him or anything. But would you potentially trade someone with him if there was a another four that took your fancy? I don't know. I'm just look, looking at it's that. It's a at tough the one because West Ham. They've been they've good. been very good this season. Yeah. They have. Um, and Antonio's like his underlying numbers have been pretty good. It just hasn't been happening for him. Um, but like as we've said, like if this was a like a week-to-week round-by-round scoring system, I'd be more likely to be potentially looking at trading him out or looking at that. But given his propensity to go big, like in the first three weeks, he went 13, 16, 11. If he hits a runner form like that, then that's potentially season turning again. So, I mean, if I can get him and DCL backfiring and Aubameyang stop missing from two yards then it's going to be really, really good. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, as you say, like, I really need my strikers to fire. Otherwise, I'm in a bit of trouble. It's interesting as well. Um, it sort of culminated in, in, in Ben Rama not picking up too many points. I think those two actually work quite well together. Um, they've been getting good points elsewhere, but just not uh, between the two of them at this point in time. So, yeah, picked up a few points on me, Gilby, so you're moving in the right direction, which is good, and that leads us on to third place. Nathan is still in third, uh, picked up only 30 points this game week, and he was able to do that uh, via Ramsdale and goal um, with seven points, Gabrielle with eight points, uh, Barnes with five points, got an assist in that particular um, game where... Uh, Leicester was able to, to get past Watford. Um, but then the rest sort of didn't inspire too much. Laporte and Cancelo only getting one point each, I guess, with um, with West Ham being able to pick up a, a very late goal with Lancini. It was a beautiful strike. Um, so that would have been disappointing for him because that would have been another 12 points there. De Bruyne didn't play... Um, he would have had Regulon come in, which would have been good, but Regulon didn't play because of the postponement. So a bit of disappointment there, I'm sure, for, for, for Nathan. And it'll be interesting to see sort of how he rebounds from this next week. 
Um, just quickly know, though, boys, I yeah. wanted to get your opinion because I know this has been Jeff's favorite fantasy legend for years now. If you had KDB and he's been diagnosed with COVID and out for the last, last couple of weeks, hasn't been playing regularly at all this season, what are you going to do? Are you going to hold him the rest of the season no matter what? Or are you looking at potentially trading him out? Or what would you do if you were Nate with KDB? I'd be holding him for now anyway. Like, th- there's no way he's not going to free agency. It would You'd need to get value in return. Now, one thing that I'd be tempted by it'd be interesting if Ben offered a Kane for KDB swap knowing Nathan's a Tottenham fan which way you'd go because neither is performing both have massive upside it's Nathan obviously had earlier pick and went for KDB he (coughs) from the few times I have sent trade offers to Nathan um, he's very much a wait and see approach like he wants to he's picked him up he's held him this long he wants to see the outside of that wants to see the result of it um but i i think if you get an offer that's decent you've got to consider it um but i still think i think isaac's on his phone right now offering him lucas mara um if he doesn't if he doesn't perform um You've got to you've got to get a, a top ten player for it though. You you can't swap him for anything less than top ten. Yeah, trade done, boys. Yeah, all sorted. Um, <laughs> no, it's I've just I'm I'm just posing him the question. I he's I don't think he's about at the moment, so he may not get back to me. But I just said came for KDB swap. Would you do it? We're just talking about it on the pod. If he gets back to me, we'll we'll chat. But he may not. Oh, he's just seen it. Here we go. Let's see what pearls of wisdom well, Nathan can bring us. Well, I know he's now. one of your favourite players for a long time, Jeff. What, what, is he still a premium midfielder for you? Uh, definitely a premium midfielder. Um, and that's why in his current form, I actually made a trade offer to Nathan and it was promptly shut down. So I have no doubt whatsoever that he's in a hold position as, as I would be in his position too. So, however, I think that a Kane deal would perk his interest mm. i imagine you didn't uh put salad in that trade jeff so i'm not sure what you're expecting there but i'd be guessing he gave him bernardo Silva. surely yeah okay interesting <laughs> straight swap and uh it was shut down and fair play to him that reminds me jeff i think it was a couple of years ago when we were, when we drafted um because I think you, the year before you'd basically won with KDB or something like that. There was something like that. And then we drafted the next year and I was before you in the draft. And with my first draft pick, I took KDB. No, you had him, Mick. And that was the year before where he had, was injured for like the vast majority of the season. It just screwed <laughs> your 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 um your year. Yeah. So, and because of that, I got a lovely Christmas present from Ben, one of the other managers. So I've got a, now got a the proud owner of a pop vinyl uh, action figure. I don't know if you'd call it that, but pop vinyl figure of Kevin De Bruyne. Now, I'm going to throw it out there. If by the end of the season, Kevin De Bruyne has not passed what, 100 points, is he on track for 100? He'd be thereabouts, right? If not less. If he has not passed 100... I reckon we turn this KDB doll into the injury curse and whoever has been ruined and not performed because of the injury curse, <laughs> they get that. 
I'm happy. It's it's still in plastic. It's mint condition, but that sounds we'll, good. I reckon we could make it a thing, but it might come down to if it happens. Now, if you look at KDB's stats, the years he's fit, he's unbelievable. It's just that year I had him, which I think I might have come last that year because he was my first pick and he got me all of 60 points for the entire year because I held him the entire year, but it was a little bit easier to. Um, yeah, he got nothing. But every other year he gets 150, 200 points. So I can understand why Nathan's holding him. Yeah. And Man City, aren't, they're, they're looking better than ever almost. So, yeah. Absolutely. And so I think where I was going to, Jeff, is I remember, yeah, he was injured that year comes to the next year for drafting i was before you in the draft and i just knew you wanted to take kdb so i took him first and i remember your reaction was just priceless <laughs> you were not happy not a happy man you weren't expecting it because he'd been out for so long did uh would you say that ruined the season for you or were you was it was that a bit of a shock there uh look i think that uh KDB's always a great draft pickup and uh, fair play to you. Got him early and uh, <laughs> well done. And see, that was the year that I was able to trade for Salah as well. So that, yeah, that, that, that was a good year. That was a fun year. Um, I've just, I've heard back from Nate. He's, he's kindly got back to me. Um, he's obviously, because I just said to him, would you do a, a, a swap for Kane for KDB? And he said, he, he correctly pointed out that it's a mid for a forward, so you couldn't do a straight swap. Um, but he said, but potentially based off points and potential, but it would depend on whatever else is making up the rest of the weight to balance out the trade. I said, how about the old system? Would you do it in our old system where you could do that quite easily, where you could trade a mid for a forward? He said, if it was the old system um, in the good old days, yeah, probably. He'd at least consider it. He'd at least consider it. So that's that's interesting. That's very interesting. Uh, I did have this thought earlier when I was... I think I might have even had this same thought come up to mind, but it'd be interesting to do a season where we don't play with a bench. We literally go, you know what? We're going to have our first 11 guys. That's it. But the last four are the cheapest and least likely to play in the entire game. So we hold them purely as trade bait so we can do a swap like that where you then you balance it out by throwing away a, a crappy little player it's not something we're probably ever going to do because it you'd have to do it for the whole season and it would change everything but it would allow trades like that to actually happen and then you just have to go into free agency to balance it out again yeah i still think trades would be harder oh they, they, absolutely they still would be than what it used to be and we never had them happen but yeah i still think a, a trade like that is more balanced yeah no true true and I think the good thing about this system this year, there's been a lot more trades, to be honest, than we've had previous to this year. So, um, yeah, interesting to hear, to hear Nathan's thoughts. Thank you, Nathan, for, for being a, a part of the pod, although indirectly. Um, so, yeah, interesting to note. And so, you know, he's, it'll be interesting to see how he bounces back after a 30-point week. Obviously not the direction he wanted to go, uh, but, you know, he's been doing pretty well without KDB for a little while. So... Um, I'm sure he's hoping that uh, he can continue pushing forward. And in fourth place, we come to Jeff. Uh, so, Jeff, you were able to pick up a grand total of 55 points this game week, which is a, a very good effort. Um, is it is it fair to say you put a lot of cookies in the Chelsea basket, though? Uh, 100%. And uh, going into that last game, I had six players for 45 points. 
and the last five players proceeded to get me 10. So to say I'm disappointed is an understatement. Um, I was expecting a absolute whitewash, and the stats proved that was correct. However, <laughs> Man United, to their credit, smashed and grabbed and got away with it. So fair play to them. So oh, wow. You, you had five Chelsea players and Havertz didn't play, so he got got subbed out, or was he always on your bench? No, he got subbed out uh, for Juan Basaka. Oh, who's unlucky. Currently, the worst right back to ever play for Man United. Oh, are, you, are we sure about that, Gilby? Surely, there's a worse one. I'd have to look back through the history for that one. I mean, like, uh, I know for for a very long time, like Wan Bissaka does not contribute much going forward, and Manchester United have always kind of prided themselves on really good wing play. So he's a bit different for us. I think the noose we've kind of made for ourselves. I'm not sure whose statement it was. Um, but when they signed Wambasaka, they said their scouting system had looked at 809 right backs and identified him as the very best of them all. So whenever Wambasaka doesn't play well, that stat is brought out to needle them. So, yeah, I mean, one-on-one defense, he's great, but everything else, he has not been good. Mm-hmm. And I saw a report during the week that apparently uh, Fletcher and Carrick were taking turns to tell him where to stand on the field. So that's never really a good sign if your coach is having to tell you where to stand if you're playing starting right back for Manchester United. What yeah. was really good was watching the Man City game and seeing him being isolated. And he was isolated on one side of the pitch and he had three Man City players running at him. He had no chance. But that's that's sort of not his fault though, is it? Yeah, I mean, we haven't been good across the pitch. So, I mean, yeah. like... If, if we're blaming wan there's a lot of blame to go around Manchester United at the moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, I c- he does not contribute much going forwards. And I think we've kind of always known about that um, for him. So whether or not, it depends which system they kind of go yeah. with now. Um, but yeah, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. I mean, if you had a choice now between Reese James or wan you may well have been going Reese James. But I mean... Does Chelsea's system make him look better? Put Wambasaka in a better, more mm. solid system, then maybe yeah, we'd he'd look a lot better. But yeah, I mean, attacking he's always been a bit limited. Yeah, I mean, under Woy, he was, and and you know, he plays a very distinct defensive style. So he was always well supported. They were always very solid, um, and you could argue that well, maybe United needed to go to that at some point, uh, but. I can understand the way he was playing for two seasons was incredible, but they were playing a very defensive style and he could show his defensive attributes. He wasn't getting forward as much, Uh, but he did start life as a winger. So I feel like he can get up the pitch. I just think that because he's played in a system that's so defensive for so long, maybe going to Man United where the expectation changed um, and arguably the messaging was maybe inconsistent during his time as well, probably hasn't helped him. So It'll be interesting to see how he develops over the next little while. Uh, but Jeff, let's let's forget about the Chelsea players. Where did the other points come from? Um, are you you're obviously still pretty happy with your team, but you're, you're chasing big points. Look, I am I am happy overall. Um, Allison, Van Dyke, and Salah. Uh, there were seven, fifteen, and six points there. The Vardy party continued with uh, twelve points. 
So that's where the bulk of the points came from. To be honest, to get 25 points on Nate uh, was good. So I'm now within 13 or 14 of him and also put a bit of distance on Dave as well. Uh, it was a good round. Yeah, absolutely. Moving in the right direction. That's a, a good thing to see. So that does bring us on to Dave in fifth place. Um, so uh, Dave was only able to pick up 33 points this week, um, which, you know, is obviously music to Jeff's ears. Uh, and, you know, looking across the board with him team, much like much like Nathan, just a couple of contributors, really only two in Alexander-Arnold and, and Tony with nine points each. And then uh, apart from that, it was very limited. Um, he had his bench not play, so Stones, Christensen, Son, um, not really get any points there. Um, so that wouldn't have helped as well because Grealish didn't play, so he didn't have anyone come off the bench who could... Uh, potentially pick up some points for him. So, yeah, unfortunately, really did not have a great week. Um, I guess I, I guess he can only be comforted in the fact that there was still a few more players who did worse than him this particular game week. Thirty-two points overall. So, um, so not too much to discuss there, boys. It'll be interesting to hear Dave's reaction when he is back with us, and and we're told that. Um, he will potentially be back with us next week, which um, is probably more exciting for him than us. But, you know, hey, that's that's the way it goes. No, we're looking forward to having him back. It's going to be good. Uh, but let's now kick on to sixth. So Dan, sixth place. Um, Dan was able to, to have a, a game week where, again, just not all that much going right for Dan this particular game week. And he's picked up a grand total of 33 points, so one point in, in ahead of Dave. And again, much the same. He's had two, maybe three players that have, have, have been able to help him out this game week. Tomiyasu with 12 points, King with six points, Samato with five points. He was in the unfortunate position where n- neither of his keepers played because their game was postponed, but he had Pope in goal. Um and just picking up ones and twos across the board, um, he would have been heart- heartened that Lukaku at least made it on the pitch for a point. Um, so I'm sure he's looking forward to Lukaku playing more and more and more, giving that's his first <coughs> round draft pick. So he's hoping things can turn around for 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 Dan in that department. You know, he's pretty solid forward line, okay midfield. Good back line with James there, but unfortunately, James, did he get injured in this game, potentially? Is that what happened? Um, yeah, he did. Um, but it's like we say with James, he's either going to give you a 0 or 1, or he's going to give you a 15 to 20. So this is one of those games where it didn't quite work out for him, but, I mean, he'll probably come in in a couple of weeks and score 20. So that's the kind of thing you expect with James. He's had six scores in the single digits and five of them are ones and ones are seven. Like it's it's pretty telling, isn't it? Just how rocks and diamonds that potentially is. So there you go. Let's mosey on. Who's after that? Is it it's it's you now, Mick, isn't it? Seventh? Yeah. So, you've finished everyone else, right? Absolutely. Almost, almost. Yeah, it's almost. Me. It must be you now. So, what happened with game week thirteen for you? How'd you get on? Um, We've well, already I mean, discussed it. You, you've got to be happy. I 
third of my team combined for zero points. Wow. Yeah. When you put it that way, the fact that I still came out with 60 and won the round, I'll take. <laughs> um, could have been better again. Um, I would. I was backing Emerson Royal, Tottenham's fullback, to come away with some level of points. And I had Chris Wood up front for Burnley. So I kind of had hedged my bets there and said, well, if they keep a clean sheet, Wood will get two. That's fine. I'll come away with eight points. And if they don't keep a clean sheet, solid chance Wood's going to have some level of attacking returns get some level of points so i was hoping for another eight points out of them instead the uh automatic trades went through and i got four points um with ward prowse and finals coming in both with twos so i had uh tierney starting as well and then unfortunately because i had no one else on the bench he stayed on for zero ronaldo also got zero so that 60 points really came from well not really it came from nine players um, the big one, Madison, 16, then Gunda won 13, Jose Sarr in goal for 10. So those three guys alone, 39 points. That's most of my game week. Um, Saka for eight with his goal, Saiz for six, um, and then a couple of twos with Jesus, Ward-Prowse for Nels, and then one for Cash. So I had Tim Krul on the bench for another six as well. So l- lots of potential there. It's, it's I've been saying for a while, I just, I've needed someone to haul. That's, that's what I just haven't had anything of this season. And if I get the time, I'll, I'll kind of want to look through and see, count out of our teams every round, how many double-digit scores we've had. Mm. I would go as far as saying I had three this round. I reckon that's probably my third, fourth, and fifth for the year. Um, whereas, like Gilby mentioned at the start, Antonio started with 16, 13, and 11 in his first three weeks. So I'm hoping, um, I don't expect it every week, but I look at this team now and... I mean, keepers, keepers are keepers. They're going to happen time to time. But Ronaldo, Jesus, Saka, Madison, Gundogan are all possible. And if Finals to a degree as well, are all possible 10-point or more double-digit hauls. So the fact that 40% of my team now, I can see occasionally maybe having a chance when they get a good matchup. Um, and out of them, except for Gundogan and Jesus, are all on different teams. So hopefully... If, say, every second week I can get a double digit out of one of those six, that's going to put me in a, a good position to hopefully start climbing up the board. But 60 points isn't a massive week by any stretch. But I think but then when you look at it that four of the boys didn't break 40, it means and two of those are the top two in our league that did break 40, that means there's four guys from third to eighth that I've caught up at least 20 points on. The only one that I didn't being Jeff, so... Uh, it's it hasn't moved me up the table, but it has moved me a hell of a lot closer to where I was. So a good week, um, a few, and that's without Chilwell as well. So having to get rid of one of the best form players in the league. So I'm hoping with a bit of luck and Ronaldo maybe doing something, um, we'll see how this goes with the new manager. But hopefully it can continue and I can get some more double digit scores. Yeah, I just went back through your team quickly then, Mick, and I counted eight double digit scores so far. So that was your nine and 10th for the season there. So from like a very quick scan through your team, um, your issue has been in those weeks where you had a couple of double digit scores, a lot of the rest of the team were going zero and one. Whereas some, so some of the others were like three, four, five, six for a lot of uh, like some of the other um, teams that we've had before. But yeah, you've had an awful lot of zero and ones. Interesting. It'd be interesting to see though where other people lie as well. So 
yeah, but a hundred percent. I've zero ones and twos, just way too many of them. So mm-hmm. hopefully now with some, with these fixtures coming up, it's probably not the right time for that <laughs> to stop happening. But because um, there's naturally going to be a couple of minutes here and there off the bench, but hopefully I can get a haul every now and again and keep moving up the leaderboard. I'm going to put a bold prediction out there. I'm going to say that your trade for Gundogan is could be the the best trade of the season by the end of the season. I don't know. I, I rate the guy like I did last year. He did well for me. I, I just have this feeling that he's going to continue to haul and it, that could be a fantastic trade I, I i hope to agree with you obviously um but i see value in sterling still the matter is who's willing to hold out long enough to see it happen now we'll talk yeah jeff's just pointing to himself saying yep i'm going to but <laughs> I, i've said it before but sterling and mara is basically right wing they rotate who starts occasionally yeah Grealish or foden or jesus might go out there but Sterling and Mares seem to have that position. They get the most chances. You look at the stats and you go, Mares is the better player, according to fantasy stats, that is. But Sterling has had way more opportunity there. Now, I haven't looked at the quality opposition that he's played against compared to Mares. Um, Mares has just been a little bit more efficient and actually produced for it. I have no doubt Sterling is still a good enough player. He may not be top 15 or top 20 in the Ballon d'Or or Ballon d'Or, but he is still quality enough to come around and get a couple of goals. Now, he scored a goal last game week or the game week before. Um, I And that's two starts in a row where I think he's played over 80 minutes in both, if not played the full 90. So I would assume he'll get a rest this week and uh, Mares might get the start instead. But I still think there's some points in him. I, I don't. I definitely do. But I just hope there's more in Gundogan. <laughs> no, fair enough. And... and- do you feel that, obviously, Jeff, you feel that way? You feel that, okay, I'm going to hold on to, to Sterling as long as possible. You're obviously comfortable enough with with, with uh, trading Gundogan the other way. Um, still no hesitation in that trade? Still happy? I'd still do the deal. Um, they're both, all four players are quality players. Uh, I thought that Havertz and Gundogan were probably equal in terms of their points potential. Um, I do think that Sterling is a better trade than Jorginho uh, so I think in terms of attacking returns I'll get more there I think the trade is still fair and it really will be wait and see until four or five weeks down the track now I'd rather take risks now than sit on my hands so I'm happy to take that risk and I'd do it again no fair enough I I personally think Gundogan's probably more potential to play more regularly than Havertz and Sterling, to be fair, at this point in time. Um, Correct. Had the captain's armband. Um, so uh, that's just the feeling I get. And I guess I'm, I'm a bit biased given I had him when he had a really, really, really good spell last year. So I just I just thought, hey, it's it's time to make a bold prediction. That was mine. I, I think he's going to be a really good pickup for for Mick. So be interested to see how it plays out across the season. Now, I suppose this is where we have to talk about... Oh, I shouldn't say it like that. We want to talk about Ben. Um, with Ben's particular team, um, sitting in, in eighth place still, unfortunately. Um, 39 points this game week, so nearly cracked the 40. Um, Dennis was the main man, 10 points. Um, Thiago Silva, 8 points. Um, he, he picked up the 
fantasy assist for the penalty, I believe. So that's, you know, a good outcome there. Henry, six points. So him being traded in was good. Has picked up a knock, though. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, and that was really the, the best of it. Um, unfortunately, didn't get any points off the bench and Kane didn't play. So there's four players that um, picked up zero points in his squad. So that was not helpful. Um, so, you know, fingers crossed that Ben's team can start to, to chip away a little bit more and get a few more points in the game weeks coming up. So, boys, that's that's how it looks at the moment with our, our table. Looking pretty good. Um, well, I say that because I'm, I'm happy with my positioning at the moment. I'm sure others aren't. But I think the people that want to move in the right direction at the moment, uh, everyone wants to move in the right direction, but those people who maybe need to move in the right direction right about now have done so. So um, interesting to see what's coming up, gentlemen. Interesting to see what is coming up. And we've got game weeks coming thick and fast. Um so it'll be even more interesting with rotation of players. Do we think that the um, the waiver wire is going to get a bit of a workout coming up, boys, with these fixtures coming pretty quick? Well, I mean, you'd be the person to ask about that, Trade King Isaac. So um, <laughs> we'll see what offers you're going to put out there this week. But um, I know that there'll be a bit of a workout coming, I would imagine, um, with, as Mick's saying, like, and... Um, some of the other managers at the bottom looking to take a few risks um, leading into mid-season. And, yeah, I mean, like you and I are obviously trying to defend those spots. So, yeah, I think it's going to be fun. Absolutely. And so I, I suppose we get into game week 14, one coming up. Um, some interesting games this game week. So um, we kick off with the the bottom of the table clash, Newcastle versus Norwich. That's going to be a, an important one for both teams. Uh, Leeds versus Crystal Palace. Palace coming off a... Uh, a first loss in a while, and Leeds really need to pick up some points. Um, Southampton versus Leicester. Uh, Leicester coming into some form, and Southampton maybe dropping off a little bit um, in the last few game weeks. Uh, Watford and Chelsea. Uh, I think Watford have sort of come off their high a little bit of beating Man U a couple of weeks ago with a, a bit of a spanking from Leicester last of this particular game week. So I don't think it gets any easier versus Chelsea. Uh, West Ham versus Brighton. Wolves versus Burnley, Aston Villa versus Man City. Can Gerard get one up on Man City? That'll be interesting to see. Um, and then we have the Merseyside derby. So um, Everton v Liverpool. Be keen to hear Jeff's thoughts on that one shortly. Um, Spurs versus Brentford. And then we've got Man United versus Arsenal. Um, and with the new manager for Man United potentially going to be in the dugout, that will be interesting to see. Uh, so gentlemen, uh, this is the time where we look at well, what's our game of the week? Where do we think the fantasy points are going to come from? Which which is the interesting game for us? Now, Jeff, I'm pretty sure you're going to be going Everton Liverpool. What uh, what are you looking for in that game? I'll be interested to see how uh, Rafa goes against the uh, his old team. I think it's going to be a fantastic game. I don't think it will be a blowout. These games are always tight. And goals will be hard to come by. So this is going to be a typical derby played in cold conditions. And I think that it'll be very, very tight. So even though Everton are in a bit of a blip in terms of form, I can see them really lifting for this game. I was just looking um, and the Everton-Liverpool derby, I'm sure Jeff won't be surprised to learn (laughs) as the highest average red cards per meeting for the derbies we operate at the moment. 
So it's on 0.38 red cards per meeting at the moment. What do we think um, the XG is going to be for this particular match? <laughs> yeah, yeah ex- is that expected broken ankles? Um, so Arsenal, Tottenham is next, and then City United is in third out of their current derbies at the moment. All good derbies, all very good derbies, and long-standing ones at that. So, no, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, Gilby, where's your attention going this game week? I am going to say, um, for me, it's probably going to be um, looking at West Ham and Brighton because both teams have kind of gone off the boil lately and both teams have um, like a number of assets spread throughout the league for us. I mean, obviously for me, I'm being a bit selfish and looking at Antonio trying to get back off the mark again and pick up some of his form. But I've also got Cucurella at the other end. I know a few people have some players there. I saw a lot of people had their head in their hands um, as much as Morpai did when he um, completely butchered a chance from six yards in the last match. So it's an interesting one for me. Both teams looking to improve markedly on their last few matches. And yeah, I mean, lots of players that could produce fantasy points if their form turns around. Yeah, absolutely. And... and uh... I guess I'm going to go with maybe something a little bit similar. I'm going to go with Spurs-Brentford in that Spurs have sort of stabilized maybe a bit defensively lately um, with Conte coming in. Brentford have been going backwards but scored a win just recently. I think that's an an interesting game and an important game for both teams to sort of um, stabilize what they have been doing and and where they need to go. Um, I think we're all just waiting for Son and Kane to actually go and bang and, and, and get some points. Everyone's been waiting for that. And for the first time in maybe a little while, Kane, um, you know, well, Spurs in particular have had a bit of a rest, having not having to play on the weekend. So they should be pretty fresh for it. They should be up for it. Uh, I think that's going to be a an interesting game to, to, to see how those two sides go. Um, a good test for Spurs, I think, uh, in particular with Brentford playing pretty pretty good football. Um, so that's the one for me. Now, Mick, I'm sure you've been furiously looking for a multi. Um, so <coughs> given the last one wasn't all that memorable, can you, can you spice it up a bit? Can you give us something a little bit more memorable to, uh, bring us into this new game week? Okay. Well, see, I went through, I made one and then I remembered some advice I got from you, which was make it memorable. And to be honest, too many legs here, hard to remember. So took a screenshot of it, put a dollar on it, but let's not even worry about that one. Now, when that one comes off, I'm going to be really annoyed. But anyway, to make it easy, what I've done. So my game of the week is going to be City Villa. So you, you could argue probably not the most interesting game, but Villa seemed to be... They've they lost. They sorry. They beat Palace two one. From what I've seen, expected goals wise, Palace, I think, had the better of the chances. It was generally low scoring. Sorry, point nine six to point four five. So, Villa took some. I guess big counter attacks or just some uh, out there shots. I saw McGinn's goal. I don't remember the other one, but just some out there shots. But City's a different beast. If City get on the board early, I think it changes the way Stevie G has to go. I think as a result, their defensive solidity probably reduces a little bit. Um, and I going in from there. So now I've mentioned before, and I said we'd get I'd get back to this, but I said Sterling gets more starts than Mares. 
Sterling started the last two. So, we're going to bank on that the other way. Now, the second reason we're going to bank on Mares is who owns Mares? Someone that always gets a bit of luck, right? Well, so, technically, right now he's still in the uh, he's he's still sitting there in the waiver. Well, I reckon he's okay. <laughs> well. I reckon he's going to get a hat trick against Aston Villa. Oh, so I've got wow. a hat trick, um, and City to win, and I've gone over and above here. It's fifty one to fifty one to one. So a hat trick. Now I did look at another one, which was Mares to get two or more and Ollie Watkins to score, which was 43. And I thought, if Mahrez gets two, I reckon he's more likely to get a third than Watkins to get one. So, 51 to 1. Now, because we do this one midweek, there's midweek games, I've always been backing everything on 38 to 1. Are we doing another podcast before the weekend? I'm assuming not. So, do I throw out another multi? Oh, wow. And well, that's why... I was going to make a suggestion here. Could it be the Merseyside derby? Because I've got a couple of cool statistics for Jeff later as well. Well, I'll throw this one out quickly and then you can add this one in. Now, to make it easy, I just went with another hat-trick. Who, <laughs> who, who scores a lot of hat-tricks? Mo Salah. So let's go Mo Salah against Wolves on the weekend. Score a hat-trick. To make it closer to that mark, to be fair, he's only paying $15 for that to happen. So it's not, not paying a whole lot. But both teams to score... You put that one down to no. So Liverpool to win to nil. Salah to score a hat-trick, 54-1. to one. So there are my two this week. Surely I can remember Mares hat-trick, Salah hat-trick, right? Gee, I'd hope so. Well, what are the odds on that, Isaac? Are we giving like $5 on that one? I think there's too many legs in that ah. particular multi <laughs> to, uh, to, to, to come up with something. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna uh, test Jeff a little bit here. So we've already mentioned that uh, the Derby has the most red cards. It's seen twenty-two red cards. It's also been drawn more often than any other Premier League fixture. So I will say, here's an interesting one. So here's my question for Jeff: The Merseyside Derby has seen more ninetieth-minute winning goals than any other match in the competition. What I'll ask is only one of those teams out of Liverpool and Everton have been the beneficiary of all those 90th minute plus winning goals. Who's it been? Yeah. It'd have to be Everton, surely. <laughs> it is Liverpool. And well, did, Liverpool... Did, did Volkerigi not score the header off the crossbar? So yeah, so, there's only one team. It had to be them. So those years have been Ronnie Zenthal, 1993, Gary McAllister, 2001, Dirk that. Kite, 2007. Sadio Mane, 2016, and Irigi in 2018. have all been 90th-minute winning goals for Liverpool, and they've been the only team to win with a 90th-minute-plus goal. So maybe maybe an interesting one there for Mixed Multi. I don't know how we go for maybe a red card and a 90th-minute winner. I don't think you can put time of goal. Okay. Um, not not in the same game. But can, you, can we go over go, under red cards? Let's go a red card in match, a draw, and... Six or more cards in total in the game, 49 to 1. I think Jeff's going to look beyond that. So th- th- there's your <laughs> option for you. We need uh, Duncan Ferguson and uh, Stevie G to start playing again. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, oh. Richarlison might get red carded for fighting a teammate. So there you go. <laughs> Anything's possible. <laughs> oh, lovely. Well, 
Mick. So how how many are you actually going to put on this this week? We've I feel like we've spoken about about fifteen different multis. Just the two. So Mara's hat trick. Um, there was a second part to that one, wasn't there? Mara's hat trick and oh, the city to win. Yeah, yeah. Mara's hat trick, city to win, and then for the weekend's <laughs> games, Salah hat trick, but Wolves not to score in reply. Wouldn't you be dirty if uh... they do score and he does get a hat trick? Yes, I will be. <laughs> I was going to say Mara's hat-trick and City don't win. <laughs> I mean, a three-all draw, I wouldn't wouldn't mind. Yeah. I mean, it, it wouldn't be great for my team because I don't have any Villa strikers, but yeah. Oh, I'd, be I'd just be dirty things. because I wouldn't get that extra point for Mara's. Yeah, the clean sheet, yeah. <laughs> Devastating. It's going to hurt no. you so much, that extra point. Absolutely. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that next podcast, though, I'm sure. Um, so, boys... <coughs> I must say, we've done extremely well for time. I think Dave would be very, very proud of us. Uh, I reckon he'd be disappointed, to be honest. Really? Yeah. Should we pad well, for the next 40 minutes? We just we haven't talked enough crap, apparently. Oh, okay. That's a shame. That's a real shame. Well, yeah, I guess that's where Dave does come in, doesn't he? Comes into his own, you know, really really able able, able to pad this thing out. Lovely. But uh, boys, it's always it's always a pleasure. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much again for for being with us two weeks in a row. Um, you're welcome back anytime. Obviously, uh, it's fantastic to hear your insight. Um, and I'm gonna wish none of you luck this particular game week, if that's okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll be catching you pretty soon, hopefully. So. Oh, the confidence. I mean- yeah, yeah. I mean, as I've stated for a few weeks now, I still think I've got the best team on paper. And if my team plays the way it should, then yeah, I'm still confident. But I mean, I've said that for the last month, so it has not been a good month. You got the best team on paper. It's just a shame the game's not played on paper, Gilby. <laughs> I feel like you've been True. scribbling all over your paper in anger as well, but you know well i mean maybe uh if you're talking about west brom i'll start talking about my football manager exploits but that'll probably be a long podcast <laughs> i'm sure there'd be lots of people who would be willing to listen to that and when i'm talking to you gilby not you mick i'm sorry there's no one wants to listen about west brom surely i mean i don't even want to listen to them at the moment <laughs> you don't even want to watch them no. to be fair there's actually been more games on more recently but the only games that televised are guaranteed to be guaranteed to be nil all now i believe they're televised this weekend so get your nil all draws on (laughs) (laughs) i feel like there's another multi in there somewhere thank you very much boys uh have a fantastic week and we will reconvene at a similar time next week thanks guys thank you worst of luck to you isaac thank you